whether here or online, let us, let's bless God. Blessed are you, Adonai, our God, King of the universe, who sanctified us with his commandments, commanded us to gross ourselves in the words of Torah. Please, Adonai, our God, sweeten the words of your Torah in our mouth and in the mouth of your people, the family of Israel. May we and our offspring and the offspring of your people, the house of Israel, all of us, know your name instead of your Torah for its own sake. Blessed are you, Adonai, who teaches Torah to his people, Israel. Um, Blessed are you, Adonai, our God, King of the universe, who has selected us from all the peoples and gave to us the Torah. Blessed are you, Adonai, giver of the Torah. Amen. 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 Thank you very Thank much. You. We normally have 18 to 20. We have eight. <coughs> Unbelievable. I think we're ripping the camera can, out. Can you count a minion? Can you count a minion on the remote? Yeah. 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 I don't know. So can they raise their hand? Shukano Rook does not acknowledge online presence. Online presence. Did you get that direct? Rick, well, I just know it because we predate by 300 years. <laughs> oh. <laughs> we, we did open up an email address, questions at menoftorah.com. Okay. So if folks have questions on this class, they can email that address, and we'll address them at the end of your class, if there are any. Okay. Normally, sure. you're so succinct and robust that there's yeah. nothing. Amen. Uh, well, this is, you know, this is just closing the loop. So um, as we already saw last week, or a month ago. Last time. Yeah, a month ago, right. Uh, whoever marries a righteous woman is as if he had observed the entire Torah from the beginning to the end. And that is why Kayil is written according to the 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. That was uh, Rav Acha. Um, with regard to the to the Eshet Kayil, um, there's a lot of reasons why we as men should find it somewhat endearing and challenging. First and foremost, we want wives that are Eshefeyu. No me. We want to find a wife that's Eshefeyu. But in, in addition to that, and we and we hopefully if your wife is not Eshefeyu, you don't realize that. <laughs> because it is our goal that our wives would be Eshefeyu by our encouraging them to be Eshefeyu. But as we've seen already, Eshekhayil goes way beyond the, the Proverbs 31 woman. And I remember for years, I used to listen to it, it comes on Christian radio, the you know, Proverbs 31 woman. Well, and they take like five minutes and a little Bible study, uh, uh, you know, little, little, little teeny little yeah. whatever, you know, a little talk. A mitzvah moment. <laughs> a, li- a mitzvah moment. <laughs> no mitzvah. No, and I remember no, thinking about that as, while I was working on this lesson. Is, you know, I don't think they really, I mean, if... Not to not to diminish it. It was it was it was fruitful, but I don't think they really understood what Proverbs thirty one is teaching because it goes way beyond that surface level. Not to say the surface level is not valuable, but the surface level to them was way removed from the actual surface level in the Hebrew. And as we've been talking about with with this idea of the language of the bridegroom, if you don't know the way people talk, you can't possibly understand what it means. And just hearing the words, you may think, "Well, I know what that's all about." Well, isn't that nice? But if you know that, if you know the culture that goes behind it, as we've been seeing, it's like way deeper. Add to that that all of these things, as we talked about, that we study Torah for its own sake. We're going to see one of these attributes of Eshekhael is that she studies Torah for its own sake. So we see that it goes much deeper. And we've seen that already. Rabbi Eliezer, uh, and I'm not, I, I apologize, I can't tell you which Rabbi Eliezer that is. It usually... Hirkanus is usually identified as as Hirkanus, but it's not Rabbi Eliezer. So it may be a, a third century uh, sage rather than the first century, second century sage. 
Rabbi Eliezer further stated, what is, the, what is the port of what was written? She openeth her mouth with wisdom, and the Torah of loving kindness is on her tongue. Is there, an, is there then a Torah of loving kindness and a Torah without it is not of loving kindness? The fact that Torah, which is studied for its own sake, is a Torah of loving kindness, whereas the Torah, which is studied for an ulterior motive, is a Torah which is not of loving kindness. And that's from uh, Bavli, the Babylonian Talmud, in Sukkah 49. Anything in the Absalom scriptures come to mind when you talk about that? Does anybody... Could you put the quote back up? Well, it reminds me of Paul's conversation regarding the um, letter of the law versus the spirit of the law. Okay. Yeah, irony, that one. The irony being that I think traditionally that's used to negate the letter of the law, but Paul's intention is that you would go beyond it. And if you've ever studied the way that Judaism derives a lot of its um, halakha, it is attempting to get the spirit of what God said behind the commandment. The spirit is always always more strict than the letter. Always. It's like if uh, you know if you had given me a commandment to go mow the lawn when I was growing up, and I had gone out there and um, you know mowed the front of the lawn and left the back unmowed, I might have met the letter of at least part of what you were saying, but I would clearly have missed the spirit. <laughs> but the spirit implies a relationship, as you already have indicated. Spirit implies a relationship, whereas letter is, it's, it's remote to me. I have no idea what this person's talking about. I'll just do it. Well, that's the way the Torah is treated by those who do not practice the Torah. Well, it's just the demand of me, as opposed to recognizing that it is, it is the very nature of a relationship. It is how the relationship is practiced. Were you thinking of Romans 2? I was. With the uh, Gentiles becoming a Torah in and of themselves. That? No, no, no. And actually, I was thinking also Paul's instruction with regard to there are some mm. who preach the gospel, the good news, well, with ulterior motives. Yeah, okay. Well, what's his response? We'll take Praise anything we can get. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and actually, you see that this is very much the same way. It's not bad to have ulterior it's motives, but it's better if your motives are pure. Because now we have a relationship. All right. This is just uh, reiterating where we've been already. We know that the language is best known when it's lived out. It's like anything. We know that when we practice, it becomes our experience. It's far more valuable. It goes back to that old adage, you know, teach a person to fish. No, wait. It's different, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Fish for a person. That ain't good. Feeding a person. Well, teach them to fish and they'll fish for their life. So it's the same idea. Your experience becomes much more valuable. Uh, the cultural expression, immersion in the cultural expression, people can tell you, and you can read your Unger's Bible Dictionary till the cows come home and you don't know squat about Torah. And you'll pronounce it wrong. Exactly. Because <laughs> you'll have a foot on the other. That's right. <laughs> well, it's better than sit, but whatever. <laughs> but anyway, so the immersion in the culture means you live it. And if you live it, then you, those things come, come alive because of the, some of the problems with living it, interacting with people who don't live it, those become very obvious. Like, well, yeah, I have that all the time. So when Paul talks about it, or when Yeshua talks about it, or when Moses talks about it, it makes perfect sense because, yes, that is an issue for us. But if you never practice it, you have no idea what he's talking about, and you don't even know there is an issue. Mm. Bible's under dictionary, as good as it is, is pretty bad. 
So we get a better literal meaning, not to, not to diminish the literal meaning. We get a better literal meaning by living it. But in addition to that, as we've been talking about, you can see, you can begin to see those common connections that lead to deeper meanings. Uh, if our culture and our language is Jewish, and I didn't say Hebrew, Jewish, that means if you live in Brooklyn, you're going to talk like Brooklyn. You know? You're going to like the fact that every all of the signs are Hebrew, but it's Yiddish. It's not Hebrew, it's Jewish that makes the difference. Hebrew is a wonderful language, but it's because it's the language of the Jewish people. He speaks, yeah, say, uh, the Lord is not our distant benefactor or judge. He's not. He's not distant. He speaks our language. He speaks exactly the way we speak. That's why when we say Hebrew is the language of the angels, it's true. I believe that's true. And I believe that it is the language of Hashem. But I think that, more importantly, it's the language of people. And he speaks our language. It's pretty cool. And as we continue to dig deeper, deeper, we'll start with. We saw this already. It's presented in the acrostic. If you don't, if somebody wasn't here last uh, last time, we talked about tw the twenty-two letters. We went through the first uh, eleven. We're going to do the last ten. But the twenty-two letters, it's an acrostic. Anytime you see the acrostic, it happens several times in Scripture. Can someone tell me that someplace else it does an acrostic? Psalm one nineteen. Psalm one nineteen. Thank you, Dad. So you read it. You're taking a gulp. Uh, the acrostic in Psalm one nineteen is pretty remarkable because it's not just every other it's not just every sentence it's like every line and each line or may have five or excuse me each paragraph may have five or six verses that begin yeah. in that letter so it's like really on the heavy side for wow this ought to get my attention which is why many even English Bibles even have little letters next to them although it's not Hebrew letters are they? <laughs> uh, what's another one Another acrostic? Another acrostic. The 22 letters. Lamentations. What's another one? Part of it. Mm -hmm. What's another one? So we, we do it every, every Shabbat. Actually, do it every day. Yeah, Psalm 145. Which, whew, wow. It's like mm -hmm. Psalm 145. You, you see, ever just sit, sit down and think of the words. Wow. That's like all encompassing. Well, it's everything. Each word is, is like a Bible study in and of itself. It's amazing. Amazing. Yeah. So, it's that's why Rabbi Akha said, this is the Torah. The sages consider these verses to be practical, peshat, practical. This is what it means. Representative, what's that? This is our mother Sarah. This is our mother Rivka. We can see root in this verse. Those kind of things are representative, right? And lastly, metaphorical, drash. What's metaphorical drash? It's kind of where we're going to focus on. Drawn out. Peshat, these verses describe the ideal Jewish woman. Or non Jewish woman yeah. who has attached herself Gentile to the Jewish God. <laughs> Representatively, these verses describe various historical Jewish women. And Drash, these verses reveal the qualities of Israel, the Torah, and the Sabbath, and collectively us. So the next verse we, we left off. Where we come back in, we left off verse 21, come back at verse 22. Mem. Mem. What's the letter mem mean to you if you know Hebrew? Mem. What does mem represent? Just a letter. Water or movement? 
Mayim is the, is the word that comes to mind as representative of Mem. Mem is movement. It's flowing. So she made her for herself luxurious bits of grass. Verse 22. Somebody read the whole verse if you don't mind. Any versions on it? Verse 22. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Oh, there we go again. Linen and purple. Purple. Purple and tekelet. It's not tekelet, but purple is a dyed cloth, which means what? It's wool. So linen and purple, it's like tzitzit, right? Or the high priest. This passage in particular um, has similarities to the tabernacle because the right. um, the colors that appear over and over again are purple and white and linen. Um, and I Barbahim is a little bit ambiguous. It is. The tabernacle being a tent plays off that, I think, a little bit. Mar yeah. <laughs> it, is, it is very ambiguous, actually. Um, Rabbi Meir uh, Lebush ben Yehel, or Dimichal Maldim, says expensive jewelry. Marbadim, he says, is not clothing, but expensive jewelry. But either way, it's Hashem who's blessed her handiwork. Again, linen and purple mixture permitted only the Kohen or the or the tabernacle or in, the, in, the, in regard to every Israelite man in seat only. Somebody look up Revelation three eighteen. We're gonna we've already seen this more than once. The clothing comes up a lot in this in this passage in in, in Eshekail. Which some people would say, well, that's just because it's about winning. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire, so that you may be rich, and white garments, that you may clothe yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and salve to anoint your eyes, so that you may see. Covering shame. Remember that. Righteous deeds cover. We're not really permitted to say that in a, in a church setting. Mm -hmm. Righteous deeds. You don't have any right. shame. That's right. Mm -hmm. There it is right in Revelation. In fact, it's not just once in Revelation, it's many times in Revelation. Mm -hmm. Righteous deeds cover shame. Have you ever made a mistake and had to apologize to someone? No. <laughs> well, yeah, Was it so. in such a way that it was deeply humiliating or shameful? Just I can't believe I did. I did. Retrospect. I, I stole from this. This um, I was with my grandpa, and I had, like got like one of the mints on the counter. It was twenty five cents. And then I confessed it in the car, and he drove me back. And I had to tell him about. Got a good grandpa. Oh yeah, it wasn't very long ago. There's <laughs> <laughs> still a quarter. Uh, so this ask, week I repented about last week. <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask: Is there is there any way to feel better about that? Zero. There's no way to feel better about. The moment, there's no question, not in that moment, but even later. It's like you stole it. It's shameful. But there are ways that you can make amends. There are. The Torah prescribes amends for stealing, right? And uh, we have ways of making amends uh, to human beings as well. You know, An apology goes very little anymore these days. So maybe the apology is not ever enough. Maybe it was never enough. Maybe, maybe a good deed or good deeds that follow that that are <coughs> commensurate with that 
shame that you feel is what it's speaking of. And doesn't the Torah tell us that we need to do that? Yeah. If you borrow something, you bust it. You fix you it. You add 20 you points. Add 20%. 20%. That's right. All right, Proverbs 8, 15 through 21. Wisdom. Who is wisdom? I could be a, I could be a Kabbalist and I could tell you wisdom is a shame. And you'd be right. And I'd be right. As all because most Kabbalists are. <laughs> they are. That's a very good point. Wisdom is not simply a nice attribute. It's far deeper than that, isn't it? Hmm. Wisdom's fruit is better than gold. What's the fruit of wisdom? Somebody read it. Uh, Proverbs 8, 15 through 21. Please, real quickly. Or you can read it slowly. It's fine. By me, kings reign and rulers decree what is just. By me, princes rule and nobles all who govern justly. I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield than choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness in the paths of justice, granting an inheritance to those who love me and feeling their treasures. Who wouldn't love it? You know, I was, we were talking this morning about this passage, and... Um, Thinking about the idea that uh, wealth, you see here, she made herself luxurious bedspreads. Wealth sometimes seems to be somewhat associated with righteousness throughout the scriptures. Um, not to say that all righteous men are um, physically wealthy, but Yeshua actually promises to his disciples that they would receive reward not only in the world to come, but also in this life. Um, and in thinking about the idea that a righteous man who is generous, his generosity is only enabled because God gives him wealth. At some level. So Mar Marvadim is speaking of wealth of some sort, luxuriousness, the luxuriousness of wisdom, good deeds. I want to offer that the mem is important, that it's not just a word chosen, that it's actually that it falls in the mem that it's important, because this is not static. It's not, I won the lottery, I got rich. Or I finally married the perfect woman. Or I finally landed the job that I want. That's static. It's not. It's not punctual. Punctual. It's not at one time. It's ongoing. So it is a lifetime of wisdom, riches, and of good deeds. Uh, Revelation nineteen eight and nineteen fourteen. Any one of either one of those verses will suffice. Actually, do with nineteen eight. That's the better. The righteous deeds of the saints, right? That's right. Who mm -hmm. the saints? It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. That's it. Fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. There's no way getting around it. No way at all. It's not the righteous deeds imputed to them. <laughs> it is their own deeds. It is their own deeds. Which happen to be righteous. Period. White. Spotless. So, how does she clothe herself? Righteous. With righteous deeds. You asked, with wisdom. You asked who that was. Who is that? As I, as I recall, that's the bride of Messiah. It is. The saints. I'm, who, I was sorry. I was has, saying, actually, I was being facetious. But who has thank made you herself, for asking. Who has made herself. <laughs> I was, thank you for asking. Yeah. I was like, oh no, it's not John Paul II. No. <laughs> <laughs> Although he may be included, it ain't him. Along with all the other saints. And Popets. Popets. 
Popes and Pokemons. That's Pope No, no. <laughs> no. It is everyone who follows Messiah is a righteous one, which is what it says. But, but this is what got me last week when a holy Bing is like, wait a second, it's not just about women. It's, it's about the bride. And we are the bride. Exactly. So the guys are it's in a challenge. This is it's a challenge for us. It's a challenge for us. Yeah, it is. It's why when we sing the passage to our wives, we should be reflecting that we have to measure up to be the husbands. Yeah, good. Okay, let's move to noon. Oops, excuse me. Noon. What's a noon? Servant. A noon is a servant or a leader. Or a leader. A seed. Yeah. A seed? A seed. Huh. Noon. Actually, we know that noon is, is specifically pointing to Messiah. Noon because of the seed. Noon is Noda Basharam Bala. Who's Baal? Who's that? Bala. Verse 23. Every time you see that, you guys, you need to think, Baal. That's me, baby. <laughs> Yeah, sorry, it's true. Her Lord, I'm the Lord. That's right, just like Sarah. Yeah. yeah, in the in the in the house, he is the man. The husband is Baal. So, no de basharin bala. Somebody read the whole verse for verse twenty three, please. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. It's a remarkable statement. Isn't it? All we've been talking about is Eshechayim, and all of a sudden it makes a reference. Well, his husband comes up several times in here, three or four times in here, but now it's just talking about him. Her husband, which is an important thing. You know, every behind every good man is a good woman. It's a true statement. So it's kind of leading to that. But also they they say, why is he sitting in the gates? What's that mean? What's the culture mean? Yeah. He's a judge. He has authority. It's where the marketplace is. He's, oh. he's, that's right, he's wealthy, he's involved, right? It's also the place where vows can be broken. Exactly right. Vows can be broken or, or, made. or, or made. made. Exactly made. right. So we know these things because this that's is right. the Torah. That's <laughs> what he can That's right. The man But I'm a simple guy, and so I see these, her husband's known in the gates, and I think it's talking about me because I'm an airline pilot. Uh. Oh, the gates. Oh. Oh. I'm not trying to be funny. Every time I say that, they I work. Talking about me. That's funny. Okay, what about the rest of us yeah. smos that are not explaining? No, no, but when I say I that, when I guy. say that to my wife or sing it to my wife, um, I immediately think the only way that I can go do what I do is because who she is. Amen. All right. Her husband is distinctive in the councils. Well, that just kind of works. She's not only righteous, she's known for having a husband that's righteous. We've been talking about her, and all of a sudden, nope. All of a sudden, now it's her husband. So you got to be wondering, how, why, is, why is it mentioning him when it's all talking about her, as we say? It's because she's the one that makes, well, I'm not giving him a lack of responsibility or lack of credit here, but she certainly makes his life possible. Could it also be, to a certain degree, speaking to us husbands, somewhat working in reverse there too? That she is Yesha Kayil because Absolutely. he is the type of man who is also righteous. I think that um, 
uh, as we're fond of saying in this uh, part it's of the uh, town of Matthews, it's your fault. Uh, fix it. For, for men, um, if something is not going the way that it should in our homes, it is our fault. Every husband should consider his wife whether she is or isn't is not important. Every husband should consider her that way because that's what prophetically enables her to be Eshekayu. So in some regards, he's made her and she's made him. She's an enabler. And in, in that, he is an expector and therefore becomes an enabler for her as well. He's just a when you find a husband and wife that get along really well and, and seem to seem to have an exemplary marriage, you usually find that they're extremely complementary. They they work together. One, you know, it's not by accident. It's not well, we just stumbled into this. You know, ooh, opposites attract. No, it's not always opposites. <laughs> it's because there is a there is a synergy. Good business term. There's a synergy. The two alone don't have nearly as much as the two together. Symbiotic relationship. First Peter two. Would oh. you read Peter, please? I got it. No, 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 don't worry. Thank you. First Peter two nine. Yes. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So the husband, he's king, he's the boss, he's Lord. And now we see that she is that righteous bride, clothed with these, that royal priesthood. That reminds us of Sinai, when Hashem himself descended and said to, and said to Moses and then to the people that he had chosen them as a treasured nation. That's coming up as well. Sameh. Somebody tell me about the letter Sameh. It's bounty. It's bouncy. It's bouncy. Okay, that's cool. a good word. Did it's you know bouncy. Sameh is bouncy. Think about. It. Look at the yeah. shape. It looks like it looks like a Samek. really a really overstuffed pillow. A little beach ball. Game. That's right. You can bounce on it. It supports you. Sameh supports you. That's, I'm writing this down. It's <laughs> like your target. Yeah. It's not an O. You slide off. No, no, no. You slide off an O. Sameh supports you. Sari Nastava Kimkor, verse 24. <laughs> you got it, Judah? Yeah. Oh, you can catch the next one. Who's got verse 24? She makes linen garments and sells them. She Selling her wares to the merchant makes linen garments and sells them. She sells them. Actually, the Hebrew doesn't say she sells them. It says she gives them. Mm. So it's all charity, right? Yeah. That's not yeah. what it says. And she says, you know, adds to the family wealth. In the practical sense, she adds to the family wealth. She's, she's a participant. She's a full participant in the family. But is it sells or gives? Here's where the saved is worried. Where they, they said you can go either way because it doesn't matter. It's motivated by the same thing. Now that's a remarkable thing to think about. Charity and enterprise are motivated by the same thing. There's a businessman over there that knows that's true. Not all businessmen do know that's true. That businessman knows that. He knows that every time he helps a customer, 
He may get paid for it, but that's not the real reason he's doing it. That's right. In fact, those are the kind of businesses you want to do business with. Because it's not only just about money, you're willing to pay. Money obviously is part of the transaction, but the business is a matter of charity. It's, it's interaction with people. It's helping people. It's solving their problems, right? We would never, this person, this woman, would never give somebody something she, that they don't need. I'll have some insurance for you. Health insurance. Oh. It's God. Oh. Pregnancy. Oh, okay. That's right. For him. A-C-A. Motivated by the same Now I'm telling you, this is a remarkable thing when you think about it. You know, and you won't you won't get it from English. It makes it all look like it's charity, or the other way around. It's the same as go, wait, the word is gives, but it doesn't matter. It's motivated by the same thing. First ten or second Timothy three ten. We don't have any Tims in here. Somebody Yeah, Tim is is watching from afar. Tim, if you can shout really loud. I got it. Oh, I got the King James. Okay. <laughs> That's okay. Oh, however. <laughs> but thou hast fully known my doctrine and manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions are endured, but out of them all the Lord will. So here's the Jewish idea. My suffering adds to your benefit. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's right. So, suffering is not for nothing. We shouldn't suffer for our own sins. But if we suffer, it's not for nothing. Our loved ones, our family benefits in some way. Whether it's practical or whether it's whether it's spiritual, they benefit in some way. So here we see Paul's enriching the lives of others through his giving of himself. That's what she's talking about. She makes a cloak itself. So she gives it away. Gives it away. James one twenty-seven. We should all be able to quote this. This is pure and undefiled religion in the sight of God and man. To visit orphans and widows and orphans. And and to be unstained by the world. Or to be pure as well. Pure and undefiled religion is revealed in Chesed. What's Chesed? Because we talked about that before. We just kind of ran past that. Loving kindness. What is the Torah of loving kindness? When we get to that Hebrew, we'll see what that word is, but what is it? It's chesed. What's chesed? What's loving kindness? It's just a nice word. We see it in the King James all the time. Loving kindness. What is chesed? It's the faithfulness of God and His promises. It is. But it's we're the, supposed to be it's the faithfulness, chesed it's the faithfulness well. covenant of all faithful. people, including God. But, but it's covenant faithfulness. Here's the, right. here's the thing is, chesed is a, is a, it's not an emotion. It's a way of acting that involves relationship. When you give charity, what is that in Hebrew? Tzedakah. Tzedakah. And yet, those who give charity, what do they call? Chesedim. Yeah, so the pious, the word piety is there. That's not, that's the same word, loving kindness. Mm-hmm. So, how's that work? So if I'm giving charity, I see a beggar on the street. Okay, we don't see beggars in Charlotte. Maybe you live in a city that does, but we don't. Well, do you see them downtown? Mm-hmm. Sometimes, yeah. Mm-hmm. So when you give charity to a beggar, you have a relationship with them? 
must have a relationship. You must. You can't just drop it in. They'll look them in the eye. Might as well mail it. I mean, exactly. Now, I'm not saying that this is, these are the steps to make an exit. What I'm saying is that act is an act of relationship. Because the act that God has towards us is an act of relationship. Look, he doesn't just give chesed to everyone. Sorry, he doesn't. He only gives chesed to those who are his. It's a relationship. God has the rain falls in the just and the unjust. That's not chesed. That's mercy. It's not chesed. Chesed requires a relationship. So, Sadi, she makes a cloak and gives it away. She has a relationship with people. She's giving it to them, just like the businessman we've talked about that's, that's supplying something for the customer. It's not enough just to, okay, go your way, I got your money. <laughs> it's a relationship. You understand that you have a relationship, a commitment. So when you give tzedakah, when you give charity, we should give charity as a matter of chesed, loving kindness. My brother or my sister. I have a relationship. That person may not feel that right away. But you should when you give. That's the point. It's not just, I did my duty, I dropped it. It may be just walking past and drop it in. But you ought to be consciously thinking about what that means as a mark of chesed. Now, that's the lowest form. You bring it back. and you, Every relationship that we're involved in should require us to be thinking about chesed. If we're going to be like a shachayim, means I'm concerned with people's feelings far more than them understanding me. True. Think about it. What do we as human beings want? We want to be understood. I want you to know what I think. I want you to do what I do and think what I think. And I want you to understand me. Chesed is not that way. Chesed is not selfish in the sense that you have to think like I do. Chesed is I'm concerned about your feelings and what you may take whether it's, and I don't want you to feel hurt, whether I'm right or not. Right? When Paul talks about saying the truth in the Bible, yes. Speaking the truth in love, this is the idea. It's not just the truth. It's the truth in such a way it's not going to be hurtful. Hurtful in the sense that well, if somebody needs to change their direction, it may be hurtful in the short term. But the point is, we don't just boldly walk up and go, well, that's the way it is. I'm sorry if you don't like it. It's still true. That's not chesed at all. That's kind of like I'm dropping it in the bucket and walking away. I've done my duty. That's a pure and undefiled religion. This woman must, must have this quality to enrich the lives of those around us. Ayin. What's Ayin? Eye. It's the eye. Oz. Strength. Oz de Hadar Oz. This is where I get my name, Uziel. Not because I'm strong, because it's Uziel. Uziel. Ayin. Oz de Hadar Verse 25. Someone, please, read Uh, strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. I like that a lot. Because, because usually it doesn't say the word laugh. What does it usually say? Well, somebody else got a different translation. She smiles. What's another one? 
Chortles. Chortles? Chuckles? Laugh is really good because it really is giving a certain... It's, it's a certain feeling here that's being carried through. Should remind us of someone as well. Sarah. Sarah. Mm-hmm. So, say to say, this speaks of Sarah. She is O's. Strength and majesty are her raiment. She shall rejoice in time to come, is what some translate. She rejoices in time to come. Mm-hmm. So, would you, could you say that Sarah's laugh, when she laughed, is this laugh? You tell me. Well, well, I've heard it on the other side, the reason that, that Sarah got in, or the reason that Hashem, you know, something, well, I, I can't quote it, but it was like Abraham laughed and Sarah laughed. Sarah got in trouble, Abraham didn't, because. But what's it's not thing? Laughter. Well, the same word here is the same word for laughter. It, but the thing about laughter is Sarah follows up with her laughter of doubt later by saying others will laugh with me because who has heard of this mm-hmm. and laughter is turned to joy yeah it's a sense of it's um, not derision of gleefulness um and i think that in this case when it comes to uh laughing towards the last day that's such a um it's it's a different level of pieces confidence yeah it's very much like that it's so different from the rest of the passages referred to the, to the last days you read almost any of the prophecies about the last days, it's about strong men falling on their knees, you know, feeling weak, like they're about to give birth or something, you know, everybody is terrified of the last days, but the righteous woman laughs, not in a, not in a mocking way, but in, um, uh, in it's part of that, um, gleeful confidence. Strength and majesty are her raiment, so at the Peshat level, what does this mean? She's a righteous woman? Even though she, as and, and it, she's modestly dressed, you agree with that? Strength and raiment are her clothing. In other words, she doesn't have to have fancy clothing because strength and raiment are her clothing. She's well dressed in the dress of righteousness. Okay. She's the drash is her lifetime of good deeds. The reason why I like laughter is because the Hebrew says she laughs on the day, and the sages go, that means the day of judgment. Just like Josh was talking about. We're talking about the end of the days. That means the day of judgment. If she's laughing, it means the day of judgment. Why is she laughing? Because when the scales are put up, her name is called, and the scales are set up. She's <laughs> laughing. She's going, I know what this looks like. All righteous deeds. No problem. Confidence and joy. Waiting for the world to come. The irony here is this is not to be confused with the fear and trembling that we should all have standing before the judge. So it's not the idea of I'll walk right in there and go, well, my deeds have all been covered by the blood. Going with boldly. Boldly going in to the throne of grace. That's not... See, we can have both. We do go boldly to the throne of grace. No question about it. She laughs on the day of judgment. No question about it. But she still recognizes the one that will always evoke fear in us. Well, it's like that verse in Peter, which is also referencing Sarah a little bit, but it's not how women, they won't fear anything that is fearful. That's right. She's clothed with strength and majesty is a way of saying her obedience is to the king of kings. Strength and majesty are clothed. All right. 
Job 29.14. Someone got that? Okay. Can I also read verse 15? Please do. It does seem to fit me. I put on righteousness and it clothed me. My justice was like a robe and a turban. I was eyes to the blind and feet to the lame. All right, Isaiah 61. 61.10. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My, my soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed, clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness, and the bridegroom decks himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorns herself with truth. And we're, we're speaking the language of the bridegroom. And we've seen dozens of times that clothing and raiment are tied towards righteous deeds. And now we're told the garment of salvation is that we have been clothed passively. Clothed with the garment of salvation. Which is it? Kind of like the argument between a Calvinist and, <laughs> it's an, Arminian, an, an Arminian. What is it? Yes. Maybe it's both. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> or neither. <laughs> yes. I'm reminded in this context of the of first and the second Timothy where Paul says, um, in the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. That's right. Yeah. Good. Alright. In Revelation nineteen, six through eight, we've already seen clothed with righteous deeds of the saints. Pay. Pihat patai, the chokma. What's chokma? What's chokma? What is it? You know, kaban. What's the b? Bina. Bina. What's the d? If you don't have wisdom, understanding, and knowledge, you don't have kaban. <laughs> <laughs> Pay. Piha. Somebody tell me about pay. The letter pay. What's the significance of the letter pay when I look at Bereshit? The wraps around the bait. The pay wraps around the bait. Which means if there's words that come out, there has to be a mouth that's spoken. So all creation is created with the speech of Hashem. So what's pay? That picture of pay is Shem in his mouth. So pay. She opens her mouth. The sages say, thy wisdom was the world created. Actually, the Psalms Proverbs say, thy wisdom was the world created. Somebody read the whole verse for us, please. Verse 26. She opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. There you go. Superior than translation. Sorry, it's not personal. <laughs> the Torah, Chesed. So you gotta gotta mix a little Hebrew in there. The wise woman teaches others. This is the thing. She teaches others. She's not content with teaching or with the understanding for herself. Me and my husband will just kind of like we'll tough it out here in our little home and our hovel. You know, someday maybe we'll get rescued. You know, it's. Rapture, rapture, or whatever. Um, she teaches others. The sages ask the question, as we saw, wait a minute, the Torah of loving kindness, chesed? Well, 
is there one without loving kindness? As we saw in in uh, in uh, in the Talmud that Eliezer, Rabbi Eliezer says, well, no, this is one that teaches Torah for its own sake. Somebody go to Titus 2, 1 through 5, please. Oh, yeah, we know Titus 2 because there are Titus 2 women. Like the Proverbs 31 women, there are Titus 2 women. I have it. He has it. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. That tossed me out right there, sober-minded, <laughs> self-controlled. Could have stopped at sober. <laughs> okay, I'm sober, that was not all I could say. Yeah. Older women, likewise, should be reverence to behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. There we go. There's there. <laughs> They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. That's very good. That's a, that's great advice. Wow. You know, obviously you can't teach it if you don't live it. So this is, this is actually a very, Titus 2 is a wonderful ex- expression of Proverbs 31, as we've seen. Teaching what, teaching what is good, young women to love their husbands, children. Self-control, pure, diligent, full of that the, world, that the word not be revived. Philippians one fifteen. Some indeed preached Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. So it wasn't Ephesians. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Teaching Torah for its own sake. Yeah. Um, there's nothing wrong with making a living from teaching Torah. In my, in my view, that's fine. But there's something to be said about teaching Torah where it gives you nothing in, in return. And I think the reason why is because it keeps you remembering the reason why you teach. So why you're teaching. It may not be your profession to teach Torah, but that makes it all the more valuable because it's not. If I tell you about some insurance, and I'm not an insurance salesman, you're my friend, we have a relationship, you're going to be much more likely to hear from me. Whereas if I come to you and say, I've got the insurance for you. <laughs> Here's my insurance agent's card. It's not to negate that insurance agent. Sure, fine. But you understand there's a relationship there that has to do with, well, you know, and maybe it's not just friendship. Maybe I'm not just a good businessman where I'm trying to help you out. Maybe I'm just trying to get you to buy something you don't need. You don't need Whereas if I'm just your friend, I'm not going to be... Well, some people maybe need that. Anyway, you get my point. My point here is that, that teaching Torah for its own sake, there's something to be said about the unbiased gift to others. It also reminds me of the um, concept of Yerat uh, Hashem, fearing uh, Hashem, and... Um, and uh, Many months back, when Joshua Nunez taught on that same topic, was learning some things with the idea of um, fearing Hashem is not so much personally being afraid of Hashem, all of that is part of it, but protecting the fear of Hashem. In other words, I fear for the awe of Hashem. Like, I, my actions, I seek to live in a way to preserve that awe of Hashem. It reminds us of Isaac. And, yeah, and, and, and in this case, I think about that context. And it's like you think about hesed, love, and linking it with that fear. 
of Hashem, so that there is like a desire to want to um, you do everything for Hashem's sake. It's about protecting his reputation in a sense. Not that he needs protection, but my, that, my, that I not bring shame to him. And that's the thing. There's different levels of that. There are some who do it simply because they're afraid. There are others who do it simply because they want reward. And there are some who do it specifically because of their relationship with Hashem. Zadi. What's that, Zadi? Hmm? We're in a class. What's Zadi? Zadi is a, is a man on his knees. That's what, the letter, that's what the letter looks like, right? But what is a tzadi? It's a straight, straight stick. I mean, we see a man on his knees in a modern Hebrew representation, but it's a straight stick. This is like, this is a righteous man. He's upright. That's where the word upright comes from. Tzadi. He's upright. So, tzadi. She's tzadi. She anticipates the ways of her household and does not eat. How busy and industrious is she? Is she just busy? Is that what it's saying? No. <clears throat> the shots is her diligence easily seen. We can see that she's busy. I mean, she's like busy. She's always around. She's doing the stuff that needs to be done. Very effective. Very effective. This is the Peshat. No question. The Darash is she's not satisfied with a passage until she knows how it can be lived off. We're talking <laughs> about scripture. So she, when she reads it, she doesn't go. Really, a neat idea. I like that idea. <laughs> I think I could teach other people that idea. The idea. She's not. She doesn't care about the idea. She wants to know. But how can I do this? This is a this is a remarkable woman when you think about it. And if we use this for our own guide, this is a remarkable person. Because when they read something, they don't just say that's a nut. I like the way that reads. I like the idea. Let me ponder that a while. We're, we're not content until we know how I can do something about this. Is there a way I can do this? So when you read Numbers 15, you know, oh, that's nice. Pretty fringes. <laughs> you go, how can I do it? Well, I can't do it because my work won't let me do it. Is there a way I can do it without offending someone else? All of those things. I'm just talking about a little thing. And usually I'm focusing on a man. This is a woman. She, she is not content until she knows how she can do something. It's interesting that the word halakha is linked to this phrase here, halikot. Halikot. Uh, beta. That's um, right. That's why the sages say this is about her doing something. And it reminds me um, of sort of I think we talked about last class, which is that the righteous woman, um, she is so in tune with her husband, the spirit, of her husband, she knows. Her. She knows what her husband would would expect, and and the like the halakha, the practical living out of what it would be, and that connects us back to Hashem because Hashem gives us those principles, those ideas, and oftentimes does not spell out exactly what the halakha looks like. But when we seek and diligently search out what the scriptures are trying to say to find the spirit of what He's saying, that's when we learn the halakha, the way that God would want us to live it out. Those of us that are husbands, those that are imagined to be somewhat future husbands, and possibly future husbands, we, those of us that are husbands maybe already know this. There's nothing more endearing than your wife finding out something that you haven't broadcast. Some you know, small thing that pleases you or whatever else. Maybe it's food, something like that. And she has discovered this and goes to extra effort with the knowledge 
what can I do about it, and then preparing something in such a way that it's a surprise to you, it's like, oh, that, I mean, it means much more than the things that she already, everybody knows about you, right? Well, this is the same way with Hashem. We seek out. We want to dig out. What can I do? This is the thing that Judaism excels at. No one can hold a candle in the world religions. Even if you make all religions equal, no one can outdo the Jews. They seek out every letter. Gives me an opportunity to do something to sanctify the name of the one who created me. That's a remarkable thing. This is this woman. This is we, what we were supposed to be. Psalm 11, 2. Great are the works of the Lord studied by all who delight in Studied. So the delight key here is the delight in it. How do I delight? Psalm 119 is the whole, I'm a delight in your words. I mean, it's like, you know, verses and verses and verses of how the, how the psalmist delights. Well, you can't delight in something and not do it. That's why it's remarkable that Psalm 119 is in a, is in a book that sits in the pews of a church. Because it's about doing stuff, not just nice thoughts. Psalm 119.45, as it were. And I shall walk in a wide place, for I have sought your precepts. What's a wide place? I thought the way was narrow. Mm -hmm. huh? So what's walking in a wide place? Freely. When you walk in a wide place, you're not worried about stepping off. Ah! <laughs> when you're walking in a wide place, you're totally comfortable. You know exactly the boundaries because they're way off there. The only way someone knows the boundaries is they walk it often, right? They're way too close. That's right. So this is people who walk the life. They're not worried about the limits. Mm. I know exactly what the limits are. I'm miles from the limits all the time. Mm. Right? Yeah. Well, if I were to watch you, I might go, whoa, man, that was pretty close. Oh, no. I knew exactly what Walks it out in a wide place. Psalm 155. This is those fences. Guarding against disobedience. Somebody read Psalm 119, 155. I got it. I have 115 if you wanted that one. I got 155. You guard against the influence to obey. That's right. <laughs> Disobey. Salvation is far from the wicked, for they do not seek your statutes. That's right. Guarding against the wicked. Don't look for it. To them, it's always far off. Uh, 2 Timothy 2.15. Rightly dividing the word of truth. What is it to rightly divide the word of truth? Mm. <laughs> That's exactly right. Actually, we can take that, we can diagram it out, right? Okay. Um, what is it to rightly divide the word of truth? Read the whole thing, please. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth, and then but avoid worldly and workman that doesn't need to be ashamed. What's up? How's a workman ashamed? Do this on wrong, or his work is destroyed, or his work is revealed to be shot, shattered. Maybe. Stands up for a little while, but not to stands the test of time. 
it's her diligence, it's ongoing, it doesn't stop. Well, if you look at the context of this passage, he's, Paul is talking about, um, he says, not to wrangle about words, and then the right verse right after that is, but avoid worldly and empty chatter, yeah. for it will lead to further ungodliness. Yeah. And it reminds me of the Perkei Avot, they talk about the danger of using wisdom to undo the Torah. Right, because one of the things um, that can very easily be done by someone who's, who's studied a lot is they can look at it, they can go, they can actually use it to find loopholes to get out of doing stuff. These, these, this is the this is the false accusation leveled against all Pharisees. It is a correct accusation against some Pharisees, but then again, it's a correct accusation leveled against most people. Yeah. All right. Closing in here. Kof. Kamu Ashura. Everybody stands up and says, Ashreima. Everybody has another, right? Okay. Just want to make sure. Kamu. Venea. Who's Venea? You know, we ought to be thinking that that's exactly right. We ought to be the ones thinking of ourselves as the built ones. We're the children. We're the children of Hashem. He created us. That's who he's speaking of. Her children had risen and praised her. Somebody read the whole verse for me, please. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. That's right. That's a kofal. Back of the head. What's the back of the head remind you of? Back of the head implies that the head's looking either in front of you, looking at what you're looking at, or looking somewhere else, right? But imagine for a moment the back of a head. All you can see is the back of the head. You're at the back of the line. What's at the front of the line? What would be the most desirable thing you can think of at the front of the line? A place of worship? Hashem? Mm -hmm. So the back of the head is the worshiper's head. Facing Hashem, the Kuf. So the Kuf implies worship. Her children have risen and called her praise. Kuf implies holy as well, because the back of the head is, a, is pointed away from God, whereas the face is pointed towards God. What's holy? Um, also, this this particular word is very interesting. Kaboom is um, it's accurately translated risen, um, and. There are many ways to look at that. One is, of course, honoring someone. They come in, you stand up. Mm -hmm. That's traditionally do that for. But um, it's intriguing because of the idea of what we see later, later instrument she was praised by the gates by her very own deeds. And um, as, as I noted a second ago, veneha children, children is from the same root for the word bone, which is the word to build. To build. And so it's the idea that she, um, the things that she has built have risen up. Like in a sense, it. it it demonstrates her success. Her children live out a life and ultimately that reflects Absolutely. on her wealth. In verse 31, which we'll get here in a second, but it comes back to this verse 31. When I read it in English to my wife on a Rev Shabbat, I say her, her own works praise her in the gates. I always add the phrase, my own little phrase, my little parenthetical phrase, and they do. Her own works praise her in the gates, and they do. Because their children are sitting there. Or if they're not, she can recognize that her children are certainly doing that. They bring honor to her. She built them. 
So, how is this a shot? Why is trouble another other That's a shrema. Why is children? If you're smart, if you're smart, you honor your mother. If you're not smart, maybe you don't honor your mother. I hope all of you do. And I know that you do. Why is children honor their mother? Well, it's commandment promise. Drash. Her good deeds are her children. Oh, that's what that banea. Really, banea really sounds like it. These are the things you build. These are the things that you build in your life. They're the good deeds that you build. And they attest to her righteousness. This is true, of course. It's obvious. The guy's a righteous guy. Look at all the stuff he constantly does. That's righteous. And they pray, and, and the praise that's Hashem, her husband, keeps on his righteous ones. Here's the key is, as, as Yeshua said, you know, don't be a light under a bushel. Rather, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and honor you. No. Honor does come to you. There's no question. But that's not the point. Who are they going to honor? The one who created you. So even though you may have good works that you've created, you're created. So they're his good works. Right? First Peter. Would you like to read First Peter First Peter 2.12. <laughs> Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. And interesting, they don't speak of your good deeds. This is an encouragement for you. If you have co-workers or whatever that are dissing you or you know, complaining about you, whatever else, as long as it's unjustified, it is. But if it's unjustified, rest assured they're doing it because they see your good deeds. <laughs> In other words, they're, what they're saying, what they're seeing are two different things. Good deeds bring honor to Hashem. That's the key. It brings honor to Him. We're not trying to get honor ourselves. Why does nobody like me? I do all this great stuff. Well, tough luck. You know, you're not supposed to be getting liked. <laughs> uh, I think it's a stupid question, but could you expound maybe on what honor is? I mean, and, honor. and is there like a Hebrew word for it? And What's this word? Cool. Strengthen her children risen and called and bless her. Uh, strength and honor actually was earlier, but what's this one? Well, bless her is a really interesting word. Um, ashrei, ashrei is not the word baruch. It's not the idea like I put a blessing on her. Yeah. It is. It. I don't think. I mean, the, no, it's not. The word ashrei is usually um, a descriptive word. Yeah. You are blessed. Um, in that sense, it's that's what he did like, in the Beatitudes. He's, he he said ashrei. Blessed is the man who da, 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 da. see it in Psalm one. Blessed is the man who, and it's almost in this case, it's almost like they 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 bless her in a sense, not because they get make a blessing for her, but because by by being who they are, that is a blessing to her. That's right. So, was, so in a, in a, in a sense, honor is not used here, but in the sense that this is being. Uh, um, it's, it's reflecting upon him, just as the children say, Ashrei Imam. But they're not saying, they're not saying, we bless you, Mom. They're saying, Ashrei, you are, you are to be praised. And it's, the, it's, that, it's that act of you are to be praised is, is reflected in their lives. So when they say, Ashrei Imam, they're not, they're not, they're not, uh, they're not dormant. It's their lives have already brought a reflection upon her. 
and they're noting in a sense that the reason that they're noting the, that their presence there is proof that she right. has been blessed for what she has done. That's right. So she, when they bless her, it is the idea that they are praising her for what she has accomplished. And that, I mean, that's the whole concept. I know, I, I could be wrong, but I, I doesn't come to mind any time when we say, talk about Ashrei Hashem. This is, this is more of a thing that's, that's directed towards other people. Or that Hashem directs towards us. He says, blessed is the man. Happy are those, as we read in some common English translation. Happy are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. That makes no sense, but that's the point. Well, and the reason I ask is because when you say wise children honor their mother, I think today, in today's lifestyle stuff, I think a lot of people think honor their mother means obey their mother. You know, and I think this may bring a little bit of diff- more of a light on it, it on what it means to honor your mother. It's, it's actually, it's more than obey. Because obedience right. in and of itself is not, it's not ashray. And Joshua, I think, na- nailed it in the sense that when children say, it is a traditional statement to say, to respond to this verse by saying ashray imah. It is not ashrei ima, that phrase that brings her praise. It's the fact that her children that she's built are saying this. In other words, they've already brought praise to her. (laughs) The statement is that they recognize their lives bring praise to her. And that ties really well into verse 31, so we'll come back to it. Uh, Revelation 14, 13. Somebody read that, because that's actually a little bit... Disconcerting. I go. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Write this Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow them. Their deeds follow them. Well, you know, there's a lot of deeds, I hope. But I know they, they do follow them. You can't undo stuff. <laughs> So our deeds do follow us. To be forgiven is one thing, but the knowledge that our deeds follow us ought to give us pause at all times. And then on the reverse side of that, our deeds follow us. You know, they say, you know, you know, years and years of kindness are wiped out by one stray, callous word, which is true. But years and years of kindness, years and years of kindness, still are years and years of kindness. And they follow us. I think this is particularly helpful um, considered because I think that sometimes it's easy to look at righteousness almost like it's a cascade of memories. It's like, well, I did a bunch of good things. That doesn't matter anymore. It's gone. It happened in the moment, and it's gone now. Um, kind of like eating ice cream or something like that. But the reality is that um, good deeds are it's like it's linked to Vineha. It's linked to the idea of building. It's a it's a continuation, something that lasts. It does. They last. All of our deeds do. Our good deeds as well. The idea that your good deeds are negated by your disobedience is not true. Yeah, that's a multitude of Listen, let me tell you something. <laughs> the sages struggle with this because the sages actually have some sages that are pretty disrespectful disreputable and they debate what about so and so you know the guy I mean it's like we all know what he did come on you know and and they make excuses for him and on what basis do they make excuses his Torah was good 
lucky to live. So he failed. There's some, there's some ugly stories in the sages. Ugly stories. They're human beings. And, and uh, you should be prepared for that, by the way. If you ever study and you want to know, you should be prepared. Don't be shocked. They're like human beings like us, you know. I mean, it reads like Hollywood sometimes. <laughs> really, seriously. But on the reverse, there's some just astounding stuff that you read. It's like, wow, man, I wish I could say that I will be that way when I'm struck with that, with that disease or that I'm that way when I'm, when I'm put in that situation or whatever it is. It's remarkable. They're human beings. It's very good and gratifying to know they're human beings. It's like reading a book, a book of, of uh, Judges or First Samuel. It's like, what are these people? <laughs> or the Gospels. <laughs> That's or the Gospels, yeah. Really. It's almost like when you think about the founders of this country, like they did awesome stuff, but they were still human beings. Yeah, absolutely. But here's the key. Remember, let's focus back on this. The deeds follow to eternal. Her deeds are eternal. She knows it. Ephesians 5, 25 to 27. Husbands, your husband, you ought to know this by heart. Husbands, love your wives as Christ or the anointed one, love the church and gave himself up for her. And he might... That's 25. That's good. Well, two, two, 27. 27. That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, holy. without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blood. Blameless. Blameless. Hashem has done this for us. So our deeds follow us. He's going to present us blameless. The phrase in here, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, I think is one of the most misunderstood and perhaps... Memorize that Bible verse, girl. ...frequently used as a bland platitude than it is really a reality. I agree. I agree completely. What is it to wash in the word? The washing is the word. The word read the word to her is that what it mean cleansed by the washing of the water of the word mm-hmm. well first of all we can we can we can bring to memory that washing involves immersion it's not a sprinkling of the water of the word mm-hmm. it's an immersion and what is an immersion? It is complete. It's not just a little wet, it's totally wet. <laughs> so, you cannot, you cannot wash your wife, your beloved, in the water of the word unless you live the Torah lifestyle. You cannot. It must be. Otherwise, it's just a sprinkling. I'm not saying sprinkling is not good. It's better than nothing. But the water is immersion. That's, that is immersion language there. Right? Because why? Because I have to be immersed if I'm going to go into the presence of Hashem. I have to be, have the things of the world, not evil things, just the stuff of the world, washed off to go into the tabernacle. It's immersion. You have to have it all. So if you're not a husband that immerses his wife, his family, himself, in the Torah. You are not keeping this commandment. Just don't. As holy and blameless. But here's the wonderful thing. Our master has done this for us. Because he is immersing us 
not a baptism. There's nothing wrong with immersion, physical immersion, but that's not what I was talking about. I'm talking about immersing in the word immersing in the word. Who's the greatest Torah teacher ever? Yeshua. He lived it. And he encouraged us to live it. It's remarkable that anybody can read any of his words and not come to that conclusion. Alright. Resh. What's a resh? A resh is a fake. It's a what's a fake? It's a fake? Resh is a fake. A resh wants you to think that it's a dog. It's That's a dogeshless dollar. <laughs> a race is proud. Raises its head up. But a race is actually good as well. How can a race be good? He's first. He's the roach. He's the top. He's the king. So, Rabot Barot Asuchair. Many women have amassed Jesus. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like what Confucius said. <laughs> Somebody read that in something other than that translation. Many women have amassed achievement, but you surpassed them all. I must have used yours of an English standard version there. Yeah, I've seen all kinds of great women, but many women have amassed achievement. Okay, so think of race here as a fake. Many women have. This is a fake. She's a fake. Lots of women are gorgeous. But that's not what we're talking about. Lots of women may be desirable, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about Eshechayil. This is Asuchayil. This is a pretty impressive statement because if you look at the Hebrew, we've got a lot of stuff going on here. First off, it says um, Robot, which, is, which has two meanings. It can refer to a, like a great number, as well as a great quality, um, and so it's there is this level of um, preeminence there. Like she's not just among one among many; she's one among some great ones. So to say, a hundred thousand signed up for uh, the Affordable Affordable Care Act doesn't sound so good, but to say a hundred million sounds way better. Mm. Right. Something uh, more importantly. To say that you were to say that you were the uh, winner of your homeschool spelling bee is less impressive than saying you're Miss the winner Universe. of the international spelling bee. That's right. So, um, That's right. And in this case, though, also it's all it's, women. Interestingly <laughs> enough, the, the word achievement there is chayil, chayil, which is what we're talking about. This is an eshet chayil. So this is not just an eshet chayil. This is an eshet chayil. Like she's like top the best the of the best. You're the top. Yeshua wasn't exactly described to be a very good-looking guy. He was nothing know, in him that we would no, think exactly. Is important. But it was his um, love for the world. Yet still, he was very he 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 was on top. He was the master. He was the top. Also, I think. Okay, verse ten. Go back to verse ten. What's verse ten said? This is the most valuable woman of all. You know, if you have Eshet Chayil, there's no one in the world that's so good as her. She is the most valuable. You know, you know, rubies. I mean, come on, she's more valuable than rubies. Rubies aren't even that valuable. You know, They're, they volcanoes spit them out. It's no big deal. She's valuable. She's more valuable than can be explained. 
Song of Songs, which leads us into not just is it us, is it her, or is it us? Blessed and praised. Psalms, Song of Psalms 6 9, something like that. Quick, my please. My, I don't know if I can read this. You can. My dove, my perfect one, is the only one, the only one of her mother, pure to her who bore her. The young women saw her and called her blessed. The queens and concubines also and embraced her. Wow, she's, she's Esther. Everybody's like, whoa! I mean, Vashti was awesome, but Esther? This is not even a contest. I'll choose her. Exodus 19. Three through six. Not a need to read it because we know what this is. What is it on Exodus 19? The king of the universe descends into time and space visibly and audibly. Mm-hmm. We can assume all the senses were affected and only one people ever in the history of the, of the world have ever seen and heard what they heard. And he said, you are my treasured people. That's the bridegroom. Oh, that's the bridegroom speaking, right? So, how valuable is this, Shechayim? Seventy nations? That's pittance. I'll take this little nation. They're mine. You are my people. You may be undesired, undesirable. You may be cast off by others. You are my most precious possession. I find you more valuable than anything or anyone. It's a good statement. Shechayim. Now you can see what the sages say to Israel. <laughs> sheen. What's a sheen? That's the fire. Yeah. With the back of the head looking through the door. Dalit. Into the tabernacle. Sheen is the fire. What's the fire? Or the tooth. Sheen. <laughs> what's, what's sheen? Sheen is the very visible manifestation of Hashem. The Shekinah. Sheker hahen, the hevel hayofi. Grace is false, beauty is vain. But a woman who fears Hashem, she shall be praised. So, Peshat, beauty is not a matter of choice. Let me tell you something there's some good looking people and there's some not so good looking people, but you can't do anything about it. You're stuck with what you got. You can make it up, but it's still stuck. You know, you may be ugly, and no matter amount of makeup is going to hide that fact when you take off your makeup, makeup. right? But ugly, you may be good looking, and no matter of hats or whatever else, are going to hide it. Hats, hats. I'm a hat. Right? <laughs> ugly and beautiful compared to what, though? I mean, who's setting the standard? That's right. But who's setting that standard? But actually, Hashem Himself right. recognizes beautiful too. So the point here is, God creates. Everybody just like they are. You can't do anything about it. So the fact that people are good looking, you know, Hollywood thinks that good looking is somehow credit to themselves, right? Stars, oh look at I'm famous. Everybody loves me because I'm so good looking. (laughs) And the irony is you didn't do squat about that. It gives them the ability to make political Exactly. So so on the Pashan level, it's beauty's not a matter of choice. Where's praise come? The choices that you make. The things that you do that are good. That's obviously, obviously more valuable than beauty. Obviously. Hashem's work is the physical beauty. It's what Eshekhael has done that matters. That's the point of the verse. The verse is not saying that, strength, that, that beauty is, in, that is, is worthless. It's not saying that. 
grace is false and beauty is vain. It just means you didn't do it. You can't take any credit for it. It is the mitzvot that brings praise. It is the woman who does these things that brings praise to Hashem. The fact that she's beautiful as well doesn't hurt. It's a plus. It's a plus. If you're not married, find a righteous woman. If she's good looking, that's extra. Drash, the Vilna Gaon, one of my favorites. Love this guy. He's a good guy. He's a really good guy. Almost nothing he says I can't agree with. Just really, really good. The Vilna Gaon speaks of three levels of scripture study. They're the ones that we've already talked about to, honor, to get honor and wealth. Paul talks about these guys. Oh, so and so. We just preached to be able to get rich. You know? What? Those guys are preaching to get rich. I don't even take my wife along. I don't even have a wife. <laughs> to gain favor from God. That's their beautifying themselves. Well, is that wrong? No. To gain honor and wealth. I'm sorry, it's just not wrong. That's what Paul said. Look, as long as they're preaching, who cares? It's good. But the Bible, like I always says, to reveal the will of God for the sake of Hashem's greatness alone. That's why you want to teach. That's why you want to study. Because what you study reveals the one you have the relationship with. That's the reason for study. Mm. That's the reason for teaching others. That's the reason for living it out. It's not because you live in fear and trembling, but you have the fear of God because you love Him. This is this woman. Ecclesiastes 12, 13 through 14. Let's read the whole thing because we oftentimes just read 13 and we don't read all of 14. So let's read the whole thing if you don't mind. Right. Ecclesiastes 12, 13 through 14. Uh, the end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Yeah. This is what we talk about that. Beauty is on the outside. Everybody, you can't see someone's beautiful on the inside until they see what they do. Right? You can see it on the outside, and then you find out, wow, that person was really like vain and vacuous. Like, okay, they look great, but wow, it didn't match up, right? God says it's all going to show up. The secret things are going to be revealed. This is your duty. Look, don't worry about beautifying yourself. <laughs> all that's going to come out. Here's the way. That you should, this, here's the way that you should behave. That's why grace is false and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears, I don't mind. She should be praised. So, Taf, last one. Give her the fruit of her works. And let her, give her the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates, as Joshua mentioned. This is, what are her own works? la mipri yadeha. What are her works? Good deeds? Her children? At the Peshad level, it's her children. Yeah. She's, and she's a righteous woman. She raises children. She, you know, she takes care of people in her community, whatever. Those are, that's at the Peshad level. By the way, what is Tav as a letter? It's Tav a picture of? Of course. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Or a mark? A mark. A mark, <laughs> right? A Tav is the end of it all, right? I like to think of a Tav as a check mark and as did it. Did it. <laughs> Did it. <laughs> so we get that whole concept of Yeshua's it is finished, done, done, done. Also interesting here, the word tenu is used 
which is the word give. Uh, give is a good translation there, um, which is really intriguing because it's not like she's. Um, it's not like this is an investment in which she's walking away with more than she put in. It says, "Give her the fruits of her hands," and it, to me, it's like it's like the planter who who plants grapes. He gets back only as much as he puts into it. And I think that that's something that's very true for, for women and also for us, that, we, you know, I'm not saying that righteousness of Messiah is not a beautiful and precious thing to us, but we should not be living life like somehow we get free cards and we get bonus points because we did something years ago. You're not getting bonus points? Um, basically, <laughs> it's, it's an idea that each, each action you do, there is a reward for that action. And you are given the fruit of what you've done. Not, it's not, there's not extra stuff. And your works do praise you. And this is the thing, as we talked about, she doesn't, she doesn't care. She doesn't care. I mean, it's not her reason. Remember, she's studying Torah. She's teaching Torah. She wants to know the reason. She reads every word and says, okay, that's good. Now, how do I do it? But that's not the reason she's doing it. But it still comes her way. People come as like, wow, you have such a great... Yeah, but it's such a great family life. It's like, what do you do? You know, she's she's not proud. She's like, well, yes, that's true. It's but it's hard work. You know, it starts with my relationship with God. It doesn't ever stop. It's ongoing. It's it's fruitful, but it's ongoing, and it is hard work. Right. Mm-hmm. Her, let her works praise her in the gates. That's where her husband is. That's right. It's exactly right. What's going on in the gates? First of all, covenants are being made. Vows are being made. Vows are being broken. So her own works are there as testimony to judgment against her or for her. Or her husband's there. Her husband's constantly saying, Have you, do you know my wife? Yeah, she's actually about you. I mean, it's like, you know, again. Or, or what's even better is when the other men say. Absolutely. But, you know, the husband doesn't really care. All he knows is, I know she is. Remember, if you're married, you are married to Eshet Chayil. What other people say or think is immaterial because it's the prophecy of Eshet Chayil that makes her Eshet Chayil. The drosh, our deeds bring consequences, good and bad. You know, there's no, there's no, you know, the, pers- the, 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 the perseverance of energy or the, or the, uh, you know, you can't train, we'll make it into mass and we can't get back, we'll make it energy. So, you know, here we, it always, it always follows. You do something good or bad, it's going to follow. There's something comes from it. Consequences always follow to, je- to day of judgment. Mm-hmm. When you have God's just and full of loving kindness, His justice demands punishment for evil, reward for good, and it's His loving kindness and His chesed that we are dependent upon. Does He have chesed for everyone? No. He did love the world, but He doesn't have chesed. He has chesed only for his eshet chayim. Psalm 119, 11 through 7. Thank you. So, Psalm 19, 11. excuse me, 19, 7 through 11. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. 
Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. We, we know this. We know this is true. God's instructions are all I need. If I have God's instructions, the reward is found within them. Amen. It just is. There's great reward. What is it? I kept his instructions. Wow. The creator of the universe told me how to live. It's remarkable. So, Eshekhael, ultimately we see the language of the bridegroom describes his bride, us. We learn of Israel, that is our active relationship with the master of the universe. You can sing it as a creator is one thing. Recognizing as creator, he's Vala. He is our master. Her husband. Uh, we are Eshekhael to him, our perfect bridegroom. And as we talked about last week, or the last time we met, this is what the bridegroom expects of us all. Mm-hmm. We've just touched the surface. Okay, so I gave you two sheets. Mm-hmm. Are we singing? Mm-hmm. And before we close, we're going to sing this, not to our wives. We're going to sing this to one another. Did you get a song? Okay, if you don't know the tune, it's okay. Just mumble along. Yeah. Uh, I don't know we're doing Loudly this. and with gusto <laughs> in a manly way. Yeah. 
take leave of each other at the study. Rav Yosef, they would say one to another. Study Hall of Rav, Rabbi Yosef, they would say one to another. May you, may you taste of the sweetness of the world to come in this life. May you see your children's children come to faith. May your end be with the life of the world to come, and your deeds affect the hope of many generations. May your heart ponder and achieve understanding of Torah. May your mouth speak wisdom to everyone you meet. And may your tongue bring forth song as you praise the Holy One, blessed is He. May you have the self-control to look straight before you. May your eyes be enlightened by the light of Torah. And may your face shine like the brightness of the sky. May your lips utter knowledge, your heart rejoice in righteousness, and your feet run to hear the words of the Ancient of Days. Amen. 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 Thank you, sir. God bless you. Thank you. Amen. I don't think we have any questions no from questions. the... Uh, no questions. We must have solved every... That's it. It's <laughs> so clear. Every no question. Yeah, that was very, very good. Well done, brother. Well done.